0: Hey everyone, welcome to the 100th episode of the Indian Dream. We have done 100 episodes and that's absolutely crazy. I can't believe it's been just a year and we've done 100 episodes. And actually it's been a lot more than that because we've put out about 20 founder journeys on our Ghana channel as well. Go check it out if you haven't already. So on this 100th episode, we're going to do a kind of fun thing. We're going to discuss um, a few things about what we've learned over these 100 episodes, what we've learned over the past year. And also we'll be doing a bit of our normal munchy style, discussing some of the ideas that we have had over the last year that we have not discussed on the show. So Siddharth, why don't you kick us off? What have we learned over the last year? Before I get there, I am very happy with the decision of starting
1: this podcast. I think the last one year of building the Indian dream with you has been phenomenal in terms of the kind of learning that we both have had, uh, the kind of people that we've gotten to meet. And the kind of user love or sort of listener love that we've been listener reader love that we've gotten um, could have been better. Obviously, I think there are some things that we can definitely get better at, um, and we'll discuss those. But right up top, I think uh, I'm glad I, I started the Indian Dream, and, and the plan is to just keep this as a side hustle for as long as possible, monetize it some way or for, in some way or fashion, but this keep
0: this on for three, four, five years. Yeah, monetization is not even that important, I've realized, as as important as making sure that we are putting out good content, and as long as we are learning, right? Um, and I'll tell you what my biggest learning has been. Before this started, I was your typical um, B2B manufacturing uh, person. Like, I knew that field well, and I didn't know anything beyond that. And then this last one year, I've learned so much about all of these new trends that are coming out. I was always fascinated by cloud kitchens. I was obsessed with cloud kitchens at one point. I thought it was the best idea in the world. And then I learned so much more about that industry. I didn't know what D2C was. And now recently, a friend of mine who's starting a D2C startup, he was like, Sahil, you should become a D2C consultant. I was like, I don't know where that came from, but okay. Um, And it's been so much fun uh, to explore new ideas, new industries, meet new people. We have met, I don't know, 100 plus people easily. Through the podcast, uh, people I would have never spoken to before. People like the founder of Tally, people like uh, the founder of Ferns and Petals and so many other inspiring people. And uh, I've learned so many things. I've learned of different business models. I thought that there's only one way to build a business. And um, I don't know what that one way was, but, <laughs> uh, uh, but I thought that there's only one way to build a business. I realized that you can build a business however the hell you want. Yeah. The business schools do not dictate how you can build a business. People have built businesses in whatever way they
1: wanted. Now, if I think about it, if I had to take a decision on like doing an MBA, spending a year doing an MBA or take out a year and just do something creative like this with full force, whatever said and done, we still, still did it as a side hustle, still did it part-time, right? Both of us had a full-time thing. If, if one or two people do something like this for a year dedicated, the kind of learning that you can get can be very close to what the business school is giving you, right? Uh, that's, that's just the academic part of it. I think the networking part of it is still missing and which is the biggest sort of outcome of ISB. So I still like, I'm still glad that I went there, but I think that's being challenged as we speak, sorry to get into Munchies, uh, mode right away. But, um, one just one learning from, from my end. I think, uh, this whole game of content creation versus distribution, I think our, our understanding is still being formed and we're still sort of evolving and getting that right. But for the longest time, in hindsight, at least it feels like for the longest time, we just did content creation and we did zero distribution. Like we did like no distribution at all, right? Starting February of this year is when we really pushed the pedal on distribution on LinkedIn. Some of it on Twitter, we still suck on Twitter. Uh, WhatsApp is our is, the, is our biggest channel. But I think the distribution part of it in general, we haven't been able to get right. Um, and that's something that again goes back to what I plan to do, what I want to do, achieve this year is just get distribution engine set up around the Indian Dream because I do think we're creating some good content basis. The feedback that we're getting,
0: you know, before this year, I would have to, I would have thought that you know social media is a pain in the ass. I hate social media. I don't want to be on social media. And then I realized two things. Um, I, I I analyzed the website of AJVC, which is a junior VC because they're kind of creating similar content to us and they're doing quite well. And I saw that 30 or 40% of all of the AJVC website traffic is coming from um, Aviral Bhatnagar's LinkedIn. So social media can have a huge impact on your uh, on driving your distribution of whatever creative thing you're making. Right? I thought that, okay, we, as long as we just create good stuff, we will get traction. Secondly, uh, when we started really pushing the pedal on LinkedIn, we started seeing so much impact from that. We started getting so many people joining our WhatsApp group and people who would have otherwise never heard of us and who we would have otherwise never spoken to. And actually this brings me to another learning. Speaking to people just randomly without any any focus or goal is just fun. Like because over the last year, um, we've had 2000, 2500 people join our WhatsApp groups. And I would say we've probably spoken to a good number of them. At least 500 people we've spoken to. And it's been fun. There have been some people that I still message on a regular basis. I have made a ton of internet friends through through the podcast, man. Yeah.
1: That, that we've never met, but like, I think just we vibed on the chat. Uh, business ideas are very similar. The way we think about business is very similar. So I've been able to meet a lot of interesting people through that also. Learning wise, again, I guess the distribution, you would agree with it. We, distribution. I think you you mentioned it. We just took on way too much Uh, in that excitement, I think this was the lockdown induced like boredom or something. Uh, We took on way too much. I'm glad we did because that gave us sort of uh, the newer ideas that we are pursuing right now. But we realized that it wasn't sustainable, especially as a side hobby, right? Both of us are still not convinced that this is our main business. We, there is a business model to be had here 100%. uh, But I don't know if any, if the opportunity cost for us has been justified where we say we do Indian dream full time.
0: You know, this, this takes me back to probably our 15th episode that we had done with Amit Verma and Amit Verma at that time had said that, um, if you look at this as a money-making thing from the start, you're going to, you're not going to uh, succeed. You have to do it out of a love for it. And I think in the middle, we kind of lost that. Yeah. I think in the middle, we just started thinking like, okay, how can we make money from this? How can we make money from this? We're spending so much time in this. Why are we not making money from this? But I think now that we've been able to take a step back, we've started exploring different things. And uh, I guess we've just turned into different people in the last six months. We, we want to continue doing this for fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As long as possible. Uh, but I can totally see uh, maybe two, three years down the line, Siddharth will be like, I'm so sick of seeing your ugly face. Um, because I also constantly send him really stupid stickers and uh, messages on WhatsApp. He stopped replying to me. Yeah. <laughs> Some of those stickers... Can get you into a jail, hundred <laughs> percent.
1: Can hundred percent get you in a jail. Um, so yeah. we can just hope nobody's snooping on our WhatsApp messages. But uh, I mean, you I, never know with Pegasus and stuff. I agree. Yeah. I, I mean, and who, who who more important than the duo of the Indian Dream, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But anyway, man, I think I agree. I think that that uh, that rush to sort of figuring out how to monetize it took us took us some places that we might not. Uh, we probably didn't need to go we could have just continued doubling down on what we had um, we also honestly we also lost uh, a few sort of ranking spots on the podcast because just we we just stopped focusing on it because we took up so much on the side uh, be it like weekly newsletter or um, the the monetization that we were trying to do with the course which is still ongoing by the way we figured something out there I think the monetization experiments are just going to go on, Sile. I don't think both of us are the kind of people who can just forget about it, but we are not going to rush it. We are not going to be super desperate about it. I think the way we did the course, the No Code Care course sort of came organically uh, from the discussions that we were having from the learnings that we were getting um, on the internet. And we sort of matched all that together and said, hey, there might be a need for these SME entrepreneurs to digitize their businesses. And that's how the No Code Care course came about.
0: Yeah. And honestly, I don't, more than the money, I have learned so much in the last couple of weeks that we've just been building out the course, right? So the course is going to start in September, the first batch. And holy shit, the amount, I first of all, I did not realize the amount of work that it goes into building a course. Actually building it out has been a ton of work, building out the presentations, building out my thought process. I've started build, writing a lot on the side about the course. I've started uh, making new YouTube videos uh, because of this. And um, it's been a ton of work, but I have learned so much about all of these softwares that we are talking about. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really happy we're doing it. But holy damn, um, if anybody else is thinking like, hi, uh, I have a, I have a, I have an audience. I'm going to build a course as well. Uh, it's super easy. Yeah, I just have to give a bhasan. It's not that easy uh, because you want to make, you, know, you want to make sure that you're delivering value. Yeah. And to make sure that you're delivering value, you have to think deeply about it. Just the conversation that
1: we've had with entrepreneurs right now, the 10 entrepreneurs that are part of the course, uh, just understanding how their businesses are run. We're probably not doing it efficiently where like the amount of time that we are spending and the money that we're getting is obviously not proportional, but we know that this is a discovery phase to figure out if there's an opportunity here. Both of us think given the struggles that SMEs have had with digitization,
0: there's an opportunity, but we'll validate it. Do, 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 do. 100% this is an opportunity. The, the, what is going to happen is that somebody is going to figure out the correct business model in, um, in how to approach it. Traditionally, the way to approach it has been by um, doing it as a service model, right? Yeah. So we have spoken to a lot of people who are doing this already as a service model, where it's like CAs or uh, stuff like that, who are offering offering this as a service to their clients, like, hey, I will help you set up the processes, I will help you digitize. Now, the question is, can you change that business model? Um, so that it's no longer a service model but it's a product model so that you're able to take on a lot more people and I think that's what we're trying to do with this course that trying to change the, the business model and the reason why that business model can also change I think is because SMEs in general are
1: not very lucrative to serve right so how would you think about it as an entrepreneur if you if you build a service business you have certain tech capabilities that you can provide to these SMEs right Your opportunity cost though, is you can deploy that same team to do some international projects, work with some US agencies and do some sort of development there, right? Because the businesses are not too different in order to build it. Uh, So a lot of people, a lot of good people end up doing that. So what you end up getting, the service providers don't really understand the business that well. They might be good coders. They might be like small teams that can build a decent software, but they don't understand business together. Uh, They don't understand business. And that I think becomes a problem So hopefully, the way to get this right is to train the founders on how to think tech so that they can get the right applications
0: built. Yeah. And I guess that's what we're trying to do. Uh, We're experimenting and let's see. Um, So far, the founders that we've taken on in the course are people who are very focused on learning and development. And um, I I feel like our generation is more like that, I think. I think our generation is more focused on uh, long-term learning because in our generation, we have so much information. And that I think we've, um, we've realized that the world is no longer stagnant. And therefore, you have to constantly learn. Yeah, I think in the previous generation, uh, the world changed a lot more slowly, Yeah, where you could you could go for 10 years without learning something new, but you could still run your business. And now, like, if you just like if you miss the train on the latest social media, then you're just like far behind. Yeah. Um, I, I was recently not recently today, i have gone on a trek and I was talking to a friend about uh, about digital marketing, right? And I was telling him that I started the digital marketing journey for my uh, B2B manufacturing business five years ago. And it has had big impact on the business. And um, he was like, yeah, man, I, I, I during the pandemic, I realized that I need to start. And the thing is that that four years, compounding, that four years, five years of compounding is starting to have a big impact on the business. Yeah. And
1: um, I, a lot of my competitors... So I, I don't know if listeners know this, But Sahil, Sahil's YouTube page has the Axis Electricals. I'm going to market it. Uh, Not that you'll find any customers who are listeners. But uh, he makes these very specific electrical products. He's going to explain it better. But there are 250,000 views on his YouTube videos. 500,000. 500,000 views across. Yeah, I was talking about one of those videos that has 250,000 views. And I still like, I've seen it multiple times. I'm like, who are these 250,000 people who saw this video? But he's 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 that classic sort of example of what we keep talking about, right? Riches, riches in the niches. It's it's one of those things that's extremely niche. Uh, and he's done a phenomenal job with just building out the YouTube SEO for that. And hopefully he'll replicate that for our businesses, Halso and TID. Um,
0: no, so I think the thing is that um, B2B businesses, I think now is the time that they need to start with really focusing on digital marketing and creating a special team for it. I, and I'll explain my thesis why, okay? Do you so, want to go right now? I want to go right Let's now. Let's go for to, it. This is a 100th episode special, right? You can do whatever you want. Uh, and this is kind of a munchies thing also, I think. Yeah, go for it. Uh, because there is a business idea that will come out of it. Um, so I, for the last four or five years, I've been slowly learning about how to do digital marketing for my business. And I, I feel like it has been taking shape, right? And over these four or five years now, uh, my my SEO like the number of number of clicks that I get on my website are only a half of a company that's ten x our size. Um, oh wait, actually, okay. I I want to give the revenue numbers, but now if I get the revenue numbers of that business, you know the revenue numbers of my business, uh, <laughs> but it's a very large company. Um, so, so so is yours because even ten x of a very large company <laughs> is a large company. Anyway, so the the point is that my company is much smaller, but now on on digitally our footprint is only half of their footprint. Right. Um, and even on LinkedIn, uh, we only have half of the number of followers that that company has. And the thing is that I look at all my other competitors who are not that digitally savvy. They have like maybe one fifth or one tenth of the number of clicks that I get every month on Google. Um, now, if they start now, it'll take them so long to catch up yeah. to me because I started four or five years ago. Yeah. But now I'm saying that anybody who's running a B2B B two B manufacturing business if you start now because none of your competitors are going to start if you start now you're going to be way ahead of them in a year or two yeah and they will then have to catch up to you correct Um, I think you and in the future I think everything is going to happen digitally I mean it's not I think it is going to happen just predicting the future anymore because it's happening it's it's in front of us yeah yeah exactly and like exhibitions will become less relevant and you have to start building that strong position for your business Um, I think yeah, I, I think people who are not doing it are uh, shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, I mean, B2B digital marketing also going back
1: to to one of the episodes that we did, right? Uh, this, this phenomenal entrepreneur, Jatin Modi from Frog Ideas, uh, just pivoting his B2C digital agency to um, a B2B digital agency. And he's doing some some digital marketing agency and he's doing some phenomenal work with the biggest B2B clients in India. Uh, SAP is, I think, one of their clients and, and a bunch of other big, uh, these these. B2B tech firms are their clients now. Um, I think they can do the same thing for large manufacturing companies also.
0: Yeah. So whenever I uh, speak to somebody um, who's doing digital marketing, they're always just working with B2C people. Yeah. And I think somebody can now start focusing only on B2B. Um, And it it doesn't have to be in India, right? I think in the US, they're already woken up to the fact and you'll be able to find a lot of clients over there also. As as you were surprised, I think India has those
1: 5,000 mid-sized businesses uh, that do more than I think 50 to 75 crores in revenue. I think those are also yeah. decent sort of uh, target segment.
0: Yeah, just target every single one of them and get them on your portfolio. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, should you go to some Munchies ideas? Just one thing, I think something that we haven't addressed, uh, a couple of things that this just
1: totally bombed for us was this uh, the liquid team idea. We were actually quite excited by the whole concept and we put it out and we actually got a lot of response from it. Not a lot of response, but three, four, five people reached out slightly more between both of us. I think eight, 10 people reached out. Um, And I don't know if we did something wrong. I don't think, I don't know if we could have done something differently, but we had a conversation with most of these people trying to understand what they wanted to do and how they wanted to contribute. And we sort of started just by saying that, okay, like let's pick a topic and you research on it and then you build something on it. Um, So far, None of that has converted into something. Either people have just gotten busy with other projects, either they've not been able to spend some time. There are a couple of people, um, Zubin, whom who I'm talking to, who wants to help us with Twitter. Um, there are a couple of other people who I'm t- talking to, but that didn't work that well. Overall, I think we've had a very interesting learning on how to build the team around TID. Um, it's slightly challenging because both of us are part time, right? So uh, it's been it's been tough figuring out like how do we attract people the right kind of people how do we pay them because we don't really monetize it too much how should we pay like how much should we invest in the business those have been questions that we've tried to answer but uh, one just one big win which I have to be very vague about given this can't be public information but somebody who was interning with us actually made a pivot in their career basis the learnings that they had at TID and they are now at one of the hottest startups in, in the country and they've they sort of pivoted a major pivot in their career, right? I think that's something that I want to replicate more of um, is is this is pre-MBA people, right? One, I think that's, that's something that I've learned. We have to go after pre-MBA because post-MBA people are looking for solid jobs with the career ladder and all of that. And this is not that. Um, so pre-MBA people have, uh, I think that's something that we'll probably target a lot more. Uh, But right now, Malvika is also helping us with Instagram. If you haven't checked out our Instagram, go check out our Instagram. We're trying to make a dent in Instagram, which is apparently very, very hard. I don't know what's happening on Instagram. There are people dancing and and it's hard to catch attention. Uh, But that's something that we're trying to do there. Uh, And Malvika is leading that for us. I'm going to summarize that, Ryan, by saying, if you are somebody who's pre-MBA, if you're thinking about MBA, and if you want to get involved in something around business and entrepreneurship and content creation hit us up and let's figure out if we can make something work.
0: Okay, let's go into some Munchies ideas now after this 22-minute rant by the two of us. Yes. Um, this is going to tell us
1: about uh, if people really care about what we talk about or not because we'll see the retention at 22-minute mark and see if it drops before that or after that. Anyway, uh, but uh, but this Munchies this is special. We don't have... Uh, like we internally call it an anchor topic which is the one big idea with like detailed numbers and everything and then other ideas that we've come up with this is all the crazy ideas that we've come up with over the you know few months and we've never sort of just spoken about them some of them I think uh, Sahil came up with this morning when we decided that we're going to do business crazy ideas whatever we call it business crazies I'm actually trying to find a term for it, by the way, Sile, so To to put this on Instagram as a separate guide, where all of these kind of ideas, where we're predicting on freaking marriages, all of those go there, so that people don't just 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 base those ideas. Uh, but we're gonna do uh, four or five ideas that are crazy out there, and we're gonna see
0: if it can be if it can be a business. Okay, business crazy idea number one, um, and this is from a friend of mine. Uh, we were driving back from a hike. And this is the idea he had. So you know how when you buy an ex- expensive T-shirt, like especially like a white T-shirt or a expensive shirt or whatever, and you're eating and then something falls on it. And so then there's like this this dog on it. Okay. And then you're like, oh shit, like I can't do anything with this T-shirt anymore because like on a white T-shirt, especially like it will show very evidently, right? Like what do you do with it? So his idea was you have this, you market this patch. Okay. Um, and this patch itself is expensive. This patch itself is like $2,000, bucks, let us say, for example. Okay, uh, You market this patch, which is basically like a branded logo, maybe it can be. Or it can be like a branded logo of a famous brand, like a Gucci, Versace, or whatever. Um, and then you put that patch over where that mark is. So then now you can wear that sh- uh, shirt or T-shirt or whatever. Plus, people will see that expensive patch and they'll be like, wow, man, Um because see, when you're wearing all these expensive t-shirts, you're doing it because of signaling. You want to signal to be other people that like, hey, I'm rich. Look at me, I'm rich. Right? I'll qualify that. I think I'll qualify that. I've, I've thought deeply about this. Very weirdly,
1: I've thought deeply about this on what is the right level of spend. I think there is one which is like obviously the cheapest segment, which is just, you know, bad, bad material, bad fitting, all of that. That's where uh, 400, 500 bucks, whatever, right? Just that. Uh, then there's a category which is slightly above that where you start getting into more comfortable stuff and good quality stuff. And there's certain threshold for certain products where beyond that, you're just paying for the brand. You're just literally just paying for the brand. You've gotten the best material at like 60% less price.
0: Yeah. So anyway, going back to this, you put a patch over there so that you can signal to people that, hey, I am I have this expensive patch will I have a dog. And uh, yeah, look, now my, my shirt's value has increased. Because earlier, uh, when you get that mark on your shirt, the value drops from to practically zero because you can't wear it. Now with that, uh, that new patch, the value has increased again. Fair enough. What do you think? I, I, I don't know if there's this product,
1: I don't know if you've heard about it, called Tide, which is supposed to clean that mark. How about
0: trying that before you go buy that Gucci logo? Assuming that Tide doesn't work, assuming you took it to the dry cleaners, they couldn't take it out, assuming you bleached the bloody thing, none of that worked. It's still there. And you're saying, so it's a food mark and you just stick a freaking logo on top of it. Yeah. Like an expensive, like fancy logo. Yeah. Like people look at it and be like, Oh wow. Wow. Look at this guy. I don't. I think we should end the episode.
1: I think you've hit the peak of business crazy, crazy ideas. I don't know where, how to top this. I don't, I mean, dude, like now I've, one of the other things that's happened over the last year is I don't ever think about why it won't work. Because I've realized all businesses have thousand reasons why it won't work when they're starting out. So I only, only think about like why will it work, and I like I think about stuff like liquid death. I was discussing this yesterday. Liquid death is just basically freaking water that some company in the U.S. decided to sell at bars and stuff in a fancy can. It it's called liquid death. Costs six dollars or something like that, or nine dollars or something like that. And you're just basically drinking water. And they raised twenty one million dollars just. Selling this water in can, right? So if you can sell crazy ideas like that, I think this this has hope. If you position it well, if you do something crazy, get a big influencer, get Ranveer Singh, dude, get Ranveer Singh to do something like this because he anyways wears crazy crazy clothes. Do something around it around it with him. You
0: can make it work. So basically, Ranveer Singh um, with like a bunch of patches all around, over him, and be like, oh yeah, check out my new brand. Um, it's it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I think. Okay, cool. Okay, crazy idea number two. Okay, crazy idea number two, airbags for outside the car. So this is especially true when you're driving uh, in Bombay because you're constantly in chock-a-block traffic, right? Um, And then like somebody will hit you and you'll get a scratch on your car and stuff like that. But what if you have an airbag that is on the outside of the car so that in case somebody is hitting you, it just like poofs out, and that saves your car from getting damaged and then it'll just go back in. And then next time somebody hits you, it'll uh, it'll poof out again. What do you think about that? I, it
1: makes sense. Honestly, like, why isn't there something like this, right? Like, I because they've already obviously figured out technology to make it like not burst very easily. Because even the inside doesn't burst very easily, right? Even with glass pieces and shit like that. So... Why isn't it there already, Siled? Have you thought? Like, have you have you researched on that?
0: Uh, no, I have not. I have no idea why this is not there already. Uh, but, I mean, this reminds me of the 90s and early 2000s when you'd have those Tata Sumos with those giant grills all around them. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? Mm. That, that would, like, keep everybody away so that, like, they don't get a scratch. But then, like, yeah, everybody else will get banged around. Yeah, I think that got, like... Uh finally at least we started getting
1: enforced like a few years ago two three years ago in Delhi because people in Delhi obviously like sorry I, we, oh my god we're gonna get cancelled so many times on this episode it's not even funny but there it's it's a thing there right with with, a, with those cars with like those uh you've not lived in Delhi
0: but yeah yeah uh, you tell me man I've not lived in Delhi I don't want to live in Delhi so you tell me yeah uh typical Bombay boy
1: Uh, (laughs) but yeah I think it got enforced that you're not allowed to do it but again coming back to this idea I don't know why it doesn't exist there's some technical reason I'm assuming uh, why it doesn't exist okay next crazy idea actually it's not that crazy I have one which is also I don't think it's that crazy but I don't think it's going to exist Um, over the last couple of months I had to go through the government office like a ton of times to get one legal certificate And it just, it's, it's, I don't know how to explain this very politely. It's inefficient to another level. There is no process. There's, I don't know if it's just this particular thing, this particular government, I went to the collectorate. There's, there's no process at all. There is nobody who has a clue on how to get some things done apart from the obvious two or three, four things that, that you get done at collectorate. There's no process for anything else. right? And this was probably, I was trying to get a legal hair certificate basically. Um, and nobody knew. And I they kept settling me from the collectorate to civil court, back to collectorate to a lawyer where I shouted on someone, finally figured out what the process was, had to like bribe someone. All of that thing happened, right? I'm trying to figure out if we are now getting everything on an app and at the comfort of a home, can somebody just go digitize those agents where they say, hey, you have a lot of knowledge. Right, we will be the mark be become a marketplace with like the single utility player where content is the single utility tool. Where if I need to get like a legal hire certificate or a property certificate, whatnot, it tells you the exact process. And then the marketplace connects you to an agent who's already, anyway, that's his business. Um, and you get the stuff done primarily online where you get the documents exchange or whatnot, or he comes, picks you, picks it up, or whatever, and then you just go for the final thing where you're supposed to be there um, instead of just trying to figure out the process
0: okay so I've actually thought about this one a lot I didn't even know you were going to talk about this but I've thought about this one a lot okay number one um, I recently had to do some bureaucracy stuff and bureaucratical stuff it fried my mind Um, I was also thinking about I was talking to somebody uh, recently about why they moved back from the U.S. to India and yeah life in India is very good and we both agreed that while life in India is very good one of the things that we both hate is the bureaucracy right so bureaucracy sucks in india it's just it's a fact of life that we all hate this entire sector is what i would call an unorganized sector in india right the entire like agents helping with bureaucracy and all that stuff is it is technically an unorganized sector in the indian market in the indian ecosystem and there is always potential to organize an unorganized sector also what do these agents work on they work on purely they work on relationships so basically you need to find an agent in each major city who has really really strong relationships with all the major all the major branches of government in each city um, and then organize them into one platform and then um, every time somebody new for example every time somebody moves to a new city uh, you need to find that agent right and uh, you find that agent through connections so but instead you can just find them through this app yeah because in a new city you will not have the connections to know which agent to go to yeah so so i think i it has to be a marketplace model. I don't think it can be one agent because there. No, I I don't think marketplace model will work. My my opinion. I think it needs to be somebody aggregating them and putting them together and doing it top down. Agree. Okay. So that's what I was getting to. An urban clap my urban urban clap like
1: model will work on top of this, right? Where urban clap takes the guarantee of service quality, all of that. They end up managing all these agents. But yes, you need to work with like a lot of managed marketplace of sorts, right? Um, that's what you'll have to do in order to make this work.
0: Um, but I think it would destroy in India because I th- people are so sick of I had to get a new passport I had to get visa and stuff I just want somebody to take care of all my bureaucratical stuff and, and, I don't care and, okay. so, so a lot of people are going to come back and say there are people who already do this
1: 110% there are people who already do this but just the process of finding the right one on the internet if you don't have like existing connections which a lot of urban Indians don't because they are moving cities and living in you know metro hubs and stuff like that a lot of people don't have those connections How do you
0: get shit done? It's very difficult. Oh, dude, you start with a Zomato of agents. (laughs) That's the thing, right? I've thought about this also that I'd be the
1: worst person to start this because of the frustration that I had of just dealing with those people. And
0: then you make that your business. And you're like, wait, wait, no, no, no. That that means a different kind of skill set. Yeah, I've met some people who are very good at dealing with these kind of people and it's those people who will have to make this. You'll have to be like one of those young people who's like brought up in like kind of political family, I think, uh, who has all the savvy of... uh, Relationship
1: building, on-ground relationship building.
0: Yeah, he has that on-ground relationship building savvy while they are also very technically savvy. Yeah. I think somebody like that could build this. Yes. No founder market fit here. We do not have founder market fit (laughs) because both of us are the most non uh, yeah this is sacking. yeah yeah the relationship aspect of it just like talking to someone
1: for 30 minutes for the sake of talking to them for 30 minutes is not something that i can do
0: uh, yeah. yeah okay do you have another crazy no you go for it i have one okay so um, i think we've spoken on the podcast before about how certifications can be a great business Right, I think we—I don't remember which episode this was—but we spoke about certifications. Like, for example, uh, getting something organic, organic, organic certified. Um, that is a great business because people will keep coming to you and being like, they will give you money. They will be like, please take my money and please give me your certification. So, like, if you're able, to, if enough people are able to agree that your certification is good and that your certification means some things to the consumer then you will have unlimited demand. You will just have non-stop demand. Now, one thing, there's one certification that is not there in India. Okay. So there's this thing called Goodweave. Goodweave is basically for textile products and it certifies that a product is not, uh, there's no child labor or like any of that stuff in any part of the supply chain of this product. Um, And uh, Goodweave, my when my sister added goodweave products to her um to her product basket it significantly improved her revenue on those products because people in the us care a lot about it and people in india are also starting to care a lot about the social impact that they are having so like like for example 5 years ago nobody cared about organic and now everybody cares about organic i think that can happen 5 years from now now here's the problem if a product is manufactured in india It can get Goodweave certified, but only if it is exported. It cannot be Goodweave certified and then sold domestically in India. Um, I found this out while trying to source products for my sister. Um, So basically building a Goodweave for India, building socially conscious certification uh, for products that are sold in India, this is going to be aimed towards like the top, um, like, you know, the top 1%, 2% of Indians who are buying expensive stuff. Uh, But there is a movement towards more socially conscious, more environmentally conscious Indians uh, that is happening. And it is going to come in a big way, just in the same way how health foods um, and organic and all that stuff came in a big way in India. 110% man. Uh, I absolutely
1: love the idea, right? Because this is also a straight acquisition for good whenever they decide to sort of be active in India or whatever, right? Uh, if you can just co- just focus on the developing countries like Bangladesh, India, Southeast Asia, maybe just build uh, the value of that certification there. Uh, then I actually think this can work. I don't know why we're
0: discussing the good ideas on the crazies now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I thought this was a, I thought this was a crazy idea. But actually, the thing is, the funny thing is that Goodweave actually has a lot of offices across India. But that's but it, it just, purely for exports. That's purely for exports, yeah. which I don't understand. Like, why can't you sell it in India? I just you, don't understand. No, I think so. Here's the thing with any kind of certification, right?
1: Basically, you have to pay a decent amount of money to get that certification, which is sometimes in lakhs of rupees, right? Now, if the domestic consumer doesn't care for it, the domestic manufacturers don't care to put it, right? It's, de- it's the consumers who start demanding
0: it and then the manufacturers react. There's no demand for it in India. No, so I'll tell you what happened. Uh, what happened was that Basically, my company in India is a buying house for my sister in the U.S. Maybe I should not say this. Uh, but um, we wanted to buy these Goodweave certified products uh, in India and then send it to my sister whenever she needed it, okay? But the thing is, we were not allowed to buy it. None of the Goodweave manufacturers sold it to us because they were like, we have to export. Like, if mm-hmm. you, you send it to an Indian... Uh, they will not Next give us the a
1: regulations that you can't certify anything. We, we will, because even in organic, right. Uh, government has their own sort of models. USDA is the U S model for the, the U S government to say it's organic or not. Maybe that's what they want to do. I don't know. Uh, but I think certification business in general, I've thought about it in terms of the only challenge that I see. And this happened with a lot of rating companies also, right? The people that you're rating or the people that you're auditing and giving the certificate to are also the people who are going to pay you, right? Uh, so that there's some conflict of interest that you want to
0: sort of give it to them so that you get the money. Otherwise there's no money. Dude. Um, yeah, I've thought about this as well. Um, and I basically think all these certifications are rackets. 110% a lot of them are rackets. Rackets. Yeah. I, I think that, um, some of them do have value. Yes. Uh, but a lot of them are rackets and, um, you just have to be very good at marketing. The, the certification body has to be very good at marketing so that people start accepting their certifications. Um, and once they do, it just you just print money. It's, it's, just print money. It's,
1: it's somebody who needs that long-term approach where you don't mess with it for three, four years, really build the credibility. And then if you want to scam the shit out of it, then because that credibility will last another four, five years, right? So you can mint money. I, I don't know why we're now giving scam ideas. This is a weird 100th episode special because basically we've
0: taken the liberty to talk
1: about whatever. There is no preparation for this one.
0: Okay, cool. Then let's close it out. It was great having you guys listen to us for 100 episodes. I can't believe people have listened to my voice and Siddharth's voice for 100 episodes. Do you think there there is at least one listener who's heard all of our episodes? Okay.
1: If there is one listener who's genuinely heard all of our episodes, and I'm making this on the spot, so Sahil might kill me for this. But if you've genuinely heard, not all, let's say more than 80 of our episodes, ping us. And we will get you on the show.
0: Yeah. No, but we'll take a quiz before we do. We'll ask you questions from random episodes that, and you better know that's it. That's true. The,
1: yeah. the, the shameful thing after this is, is, is if nobody reaches out after this, you know, stunt that we've tried to pull off. I actually, I'm don't pretty, expect, I'm... I don't expect anybody to have like listened to 80 full episodes when there's no, not full episodes, but at least 80 half episodes or whatever.
0: Yeah, it's going to be very tough for people to have to heard yeah. to have heard that many. And to be honest, even I have not heard every single episode because Obviously. there have been certain episodes where no, but there have been certain episodes where you did the interview and I wasn't there, and then I just don't bother listen, to listening to it afterwards. Yeah,
1: because you think you know it, you you know everything already. Freaking no Okay, all. let's close it out here. <laughs> we are starting to ramble.
0: Um, well, thanks for listening, everyone, and we will see you on episode one hundred and one. Bye.